0: hello everyone welcome to the professional insight podcast uh episode 23 we are, in episode 23. We are on episode 23 episode 23 um, thank you again to our uh sponsors brand boulevard my name is brandon curry
1: i'm jeff collins
2: i'm trevor lindy
0: and jacqueline's behind the computer again hi jacqueline Uh-oh. just uh, just say <laughs> hey yeah hi um, and of course, we are down a lawyer. We are down a lawyer because he's doing lawyer stuff right he's now. Billing, but, yeah, he's billing. I'm he's, sure billing. he's billing I'm sure somebody he's billing me. a lot of money right now. Uh, <laughs> got a couple Bond, bills on my uh, desk. He'll him. be joining us in a couple of episodes, but he uh, double booked himself. Um, anyway, we have uh, two guests uh, with us today.
2: Yeah, uh, one both, with us. Yes, remotely, and
0: well, yeah, one's <laughs> dialing in, and one is actually with us. Uh, a, a shift. Kassam, yep. the Wealth Sales Director for Sun Life Global Investments Canada, and Michelle Conley on, uh, call-in, I guess, yeah, is... Yeah, Here, I'll yep. we'll put the microphone oh, okay, more we'll in pick. the middle of the room. Uh, Director of Wealth and Estate Planning at SLGI. Hi, everyone. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Can you hear us okay, Michelle? No problem? Absolutely. Thanks very much for, uh, for calling and dialing in and taking the time out of your busy day. And, uh... A shift you, you you got your uh, Brand Boulevard little gift, and got I got one from Michelle as well.
3: Yeah, thank you very much. We appreciate that. Lovely little uh,
0: leather notebook. Leather notebook. Very nice for writing stuff. And, and <laughs> Take writing, lots of notes. Uh, take uh, lots yeah. of notes, yes, because what we're about to talk about is the importance of having a will, and also there is a, a form uh, that we're also going to guide our listeners through that a lot of people don't know actually exists uh, for an executor to fill out. Uh, so the first thing, Michelle, this question is going to be directed towards you. Um, okay. Um, what, what ends up happening if someone dies without a will?
4: Um, that's a great question. So when you look at, as advisors or in terms of residents of Ontario, there's various pieces of legislation that oversees any particular planning. And when you talk about succession law, which the Ontario... Um, has the succession law reform act it oversees where a resident of Ontario has died without a will and the term is called intestate and it guides the process in terms of what happens to those that individual's assets what happens in terms of applying for process or for administration perspective and so basically it comes down to the laws of Ontario will dictate and outline what will happen to that person's estate if they die without a will.
0: And Michelle, just based on, because I've just taken the CLU and the CFP courses for um, um, uh, through advocates, and um, I mean, it varies per province, does it not?
4: Oh, absolutely, so, um, that's a great point. So when you look at um, various pieces of legislation that we as advisors have to consider when we're um, talking with clients, Succession law is determined at the provincial and territorial level. And that brings to mind that when you are working with a particular client, residency or if perhaps they move or have assets in another province or territory, that the laws of succession of that respective jurisdiction should be taken into account.
0: So it'd be be fair to say then that, if you have property in another province or jurisdiction, that you should have a will for that particular province as well. Otherwise, you're at the beck and call, right?
4: Absolutely. Now, would I go so far as to say that you need another will? So, for example, if you have an individual that living uh, in the Niagara region that has a vacation property in Manitoba, what should be considered and looked upon, you know, on a uh, repeated basis is with the laws of succession that are appropriate in Manitoba, would they accept the Ontario will, reseal it, or it's also different if a resident of Niagara has a home, let's say, in Montremblant, which is Quebec. Right, and Quebec right. is a civil code jurisdiction. It is right, not right. a common law jurisdiction. So, would a would a will that was drafted and it's in place for Ontario um, be viewed as relevant in Quebec? The answer is no. And then, looking upon again in Niagara, if we have clients that say are snowbirds or go to ski in Elginville and that they have property in the U.S., it's a yes/no. It's up in the air.
0: Well, then, and then on top of that, that opens up another can of worms, which we briefly chatted about another episode, U.S. Citus Laws, but that's that's a tax thing and you can go down a a rabbit hole for that. Um,
4: It's tax, it's succession law, it's uh, in terms of wealth transfer legislation, you're right. Like in terms of, there's a lot of legislation that advisors and also in terms of clients that have real property outside of Ontario should consider when they're looking at their wealth transfer planning.
0: So, I mean, this just will this will go into another episode that we will be recording after this, the importance of having a financial plan and listening to your advisors and what they actually want to do, right. right? And and the reason why we do what we do is because of the tax implications of of having it. Now, Ashif, you mentioned that there's also well, I mean, I know about it, but I want to kind of put this over to you. You you get named to be an executor. Yeah. And what used to be <laughs> an honor Is now kind of one of those, what did I do to you while I was alive to make you... Because of the laws that have been put into place around executors. Right. So, can you walk me through, or walk our listeners through, the form that you're about to describe? Yeah. And then also...
3: the roles and responsibilities, and and they're quite, it's quite substantial. Yeah, I mean, you know, the whole, you know, being appointed an executor, uh, you you basically are responsible for filing for probate on behalf of an estate. Um, A lot of individuals actually don't even know that they've been appointed, so they tend to find out when mom and dad have passed away um, that they now have to, you know, they have to settle their parents' estate. Prior to 2015, the way the uh, the way the process worked, you know, we can call it the honor system, where an executor would high- list all of the assets that a deceased owned prior to death, um, came up with values, uh, paid your probate fee or your probate tax, uh, got a clearance certificate, and you were good to go. Uh, Post-2015, a new document, it's called the estate information return. Um, It was launched um, in 2015 by the government at that time Um, and really what it does, it actually gets the executor to uh, properly document and evaluate all of the assets that a deceased owns. So you can no longer guesstimate the value of assets, Uh, you have to get proper appraisals done. Um, all of the uh, on all of the assets, and so it is a seven-page document. Uh, it goes through real estate. It goes through uh, it goes through uh, vehicles and vessels, bank accounts, GICs. Uh, talks about uh, gifting as well. It, it actually talks to you know various things like artwork, jewelry, antiques. Uh, all of these items have to be listed on the new document and have to actually be properly appraised. Now, the role of the executor gets much more onerous in that the estate or the uh, the Ontario government has up to four years to go back and audit that estate. So if there's any misrepresentation on the document, the executor is personally responsible for any und- any taxes that are owed. So it becomes that much more complicated.
0: So give us an example, like, okay, so what would be considered to be, like, and Jeff goes through this all the time with capital gains and, and rental properties, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what... what what constitutes a good appraisal? Like, is it someone like me calling up a, a, a realtor to appraise a cottage? Yeah, would that be fine, or do I need to go through
2: a chartered accountant or an appraisal agency? Yeah, is it a bank appraisal? Is it a market evaluation appraisal? Yeah, so it, um, it would be a, pro- a professional
3: in that field, right?
2: So if you're going to, if
3: it's jewelry or artwork, uh, somebody that actually is qualified to appraise uh, that item or the items uh, that are ca- that are counted for, uh, you could use potentially a real estate agent to evaluate the pro- a, a property if that's something that has to go through probate. Uh, it's just got to be documented by a professional, uh, uh, evaluated by a professional and documented so that if the uh, estate gets audited, the uh the executor has all the information properly at hand and documented.
4: Um, 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 Ash, do you mind if I jump in on that one? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So from a, a practical perspective, and Ash discussed real estate, and let's talk about real estate. Um, from my public practice days, once again, go back, we know that we have multiple legislation to consider, but in the past, let's say a widow, widower passed away, um, it had a principal residence, Often their executor, who more times than not was a child, would take and report the MPAC valuation and report it on the terminal tax return, the final tax return, and say, all right, according to MPAC, this is the value. It's a principal residence. It's exempt from tax. And then, you know, going through the estate process, um, you know, in terms of cleaning the house or in terms of taking family mementos, et cetera, like that, six or seven months later, The house was sold. And, you know, in particular real estate, like Niagara, in terms of Toronto, you know, the Golden Horseshoe, more often than not, that house was sold for a lot more than the impact value. Mm -hmm. And in that particular instance, recognize that the principal resident exemption stops at the date of death unless it's inherited by an individual and they are not using the principal resident exemption. So let's say impact says mom's house is worth $450,000. All right, so all gains up to $450,000 are sheltered using the principal residence exemption. Let's say six months later, the house, in fact, is sold for $500,000. That differential of $50,000 is actually capital gain.
0: To the estate. To the estate. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Correct.
4: So going back and highlighting, getting, you know, everybody says, oh, I'm just going to make it BP, you know, keep things simple. You can't keep things simple anymore. You actually have to dot your I's and cross your T's. Right, right. And as Ash alluded to, go and get one, possibly two real estate valuations on that house and demonstrate that you have undertaken good judgment to get a proper valuation such that if the Ministry of Finance, who is now overseeing the administration of the here in Ontario, that you have taken all manner of good steps. Um, and that you have those two valuations, that you're the executors, in fact, covering themselves.
3: Yeah, that's an example I use often because most people don't want to pay a lot of tax, right? And so um, on real <laughs> estate... <kidding> <laughs> well, that's on, a shocker? <laughs> yeah, and, and and on real estate, you know, that's that's the biggest probably asset that individuals own, right? Or the, the most uh, high the valued asset. And so, you know, we want to, you know, a lot of people will use the impact to lowball the number, but, you know, under the new process, if that estate got audited, uh, the executor's personally responsible for paying any of the undue, uh, any taxes that are owed based on the fact that they filed um, on behalf of that estate.
0: Well, and it's something also, and Michelle, you can chime in here too. I mean, like, and, and Jeff as well, because we know uh, in 2015, it, it basically, the property blitz hit us like a ton of bricks here. Right. We yeah. grew by 30% in one year. 16, 2016 sorry 2016 beg yeah, your pardon yeah, got yeah. I got my I got my year wrong so basically when you when you have this that that happens if your parents pass away in that particular year and it takes you several months to possibly several years to sell that property depending yeah. on what it is we have to also remember too the estate qualifies in the first three years as the graduated a graduated rated estate so you, you're actually treated it's treated as like a, a trust but it's 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 graduated, just like how we get taxed at graduated levels. But Mm -hmm. after three years, it gets taxed at the top marginal tax rate, which right now is 54%. So to Michelle's point, if it takes you a while to sell that piece of property, or you're holding out because of you know emotional value or you want to actually use it or whatever the case maybe
1: may be maybe do some renovations to yeah. re- or maybe there's renovations. like five family members who can't agree on how and much it's worth exactly.
0: like i mean jeff you should probably see that quite a bit when you actually have to go sell a piece of property um, if i choose we, to take that on well we <laughs> and we see it quite often at the at the financial planning level yep. um, now you're in in year 4 well year 4 that that growth between the date of death, to Michelle's point, to the dime that you've sold it, is now it has grown. Mm-hmm. Statistically it has grown. And you're getting taxed at fifty four percent on yeah. all that growth. Well, do you have the money kicking around to pay for that? Because it's gonna be a shell shock to a lot of the you know, the four others who've you may be held out for a proper price, and the next thing you know, fifty-four percent of their profits are gone. Absolutely, I yeah, mean, it, it already it's is complicated. A capital gain, understand. more
4: often than not, it would be a capital gain. So you're you're at twenty-seven percent. Right. But Brandon, you brought up right. a really good point. You raised the thirty-six month time frame for the graduated rate of state. Right. Here's here's a disconnect between federal taxation, again, another piece of legislation, right. and comparing it to the laws of succession here in Ontario where an executor has to is held accountable for four years. So in terms of you're putting them in a risk, okay, what do I have to do in the first 36 months to be tax efficient, but yet I'm held on accountable or in terms of held on in terms of administering the state for four years. It's something that a lot of lawyers and in terms of Ontario individuals, either acting as executors or appointing executors, don't take into account. It kind of puts you between a rock and a hard spot in certain situations.
0: No, I mean, and that, and that's, it, it, it totally goes to, I don't think people really will be recording another episode on the importance of a financial plan and, and, uh, you know, doing it properly and listening yeah. because it's the financial it's, and tax impact that, that, and then on top of that, if you're an executor, it, it, I mean, the pain can go on forever. Um, I mean, I have one currently. I have an estate currently that is that will be open for the next eight years. It's been open for two. It'll be open up for the next eight because of how this man structured his will and how he wants to pay it out. Yeah. Um, and it is what it is. And uh, so this executor is going to be on the hook for the next eight years on top of that, 10 years total.
2: When you say how it's been structured, is it kind of like what you and I have discussed about having your kids so that they're going to get it at age 18 a little bit, 21 a little bit. Is it, is so, it because of that or is it well, something different that so, we haven't discussed before? No,
0: no, it, it, it is because of that. It's the okay. payments. However, okay. he did it. He did it in a way like looking at the will, uh, you know, in hindsight, I hindsight's always 2020. He didn't really get good advice. If I was him, I would have opened up a trust, yep. right? I would have opened up a, a, a trust and not used the, um, the estate as your trust, which you legally can still do. I mean, the estate can still be that. However, um, and it just, it, it works out good that the way that we sheltered everything, that the vast majority of any gain or interest gain or anything of that nature um, will, be, will be fine. Um, but I, if I was him, I would have put everything in into a, 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 you know, a testamentary trust and let the trust company deal with it, not the executor. Um, but now, because he didn't do that, he didn't go and get proper advice. I agree. I I agree in principle. Now, knowing the backstory on why he did what he did, but he just used the wrong vehicle for it. And now, my client, who is also the executor who came to us for this advice, um, Henry, your former colleague, was yeah. was very heavily involved in helping me with this okay. because in and, and to Henry's estate and he, to Henry's credit. Henry had his CEA designation, which right. is a certified executor advisor designation. And he said it was the one, of mo- one of the most complex wills he's ever encountered. Um, and so, you know, the, she's on the hook for the next eight years dealing with these people and their payments. So she's getting literally calls two weeks before the check is due. Uh, where's my check? 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 Whereas an, a, a trust company would be able to deal with all that. Sure. Right, because that's what they charge the fees for. Yeah. yeah, I
3: mean, I think it's really important that, you know, that does demonstrates and highlights the value of advice, right, in talking to financial advisors because there are other options. Um, you know, a trust is an option, but the other, you know, within a, the insurance world, uh, there is something called the annuity settlement option or a legacy settlement option uh, that actually allows you to even, you know, potentially outline wishes such as your client um, through a segregated fund contract um, that then allows the death benefit to bypass probate altogether uh, so the executor is not involved altogether, right? The money just pretty much, instead of a lump sum payment going into uh, the hands of a beneficiary, uh, you can actually designate through the use of something that we at SLGI call the legacy settlement option, you can outline your wishes of that inheritance being distributed to a beneficiary uh, via the purchase of an annuity. So rather than that child receiving a lump sum payout, um, they purchase an annuity, um, and the individual, so you know the uncle, the father, the mother, uh, would outline how that annuity is to be structured so it's customizable. Uh, so you also, at that point, avoid the asset having to go to the estate and then to a trust. Uh, you avoid that process, and the annuity actually gets established um, with the inheritance that that individual would receive.
0: Well, and, and it's funny because, like, you know, a lot of people are just ignorant on on, on those types of different options that yeah. are available because a lot of people are like, all right, well, if I put a beneficiary on my RRSP, or maybe it's a RIF at that stage, yeah. okay, well, technically because you put a beneficiary, a direct beneficiary on that, it it you are not you are not subject to probate because Correct. you put a beneficiary. But what a lot of people don't realize is that until that will has been given the seal of approval, you can't get that money. Mm-hmm. Like it right. can be, and if there's a, and if anyone contests that will at all, it can be held in purgatory for two years. We have wills in and in, in estates in, in purgatory for two years. Yep. So it, it can be quite substantial the impact that can have on 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 finances. Michelle, you want to maybe uh, weigh in on that?
4: Absolutely. Um, so what you're talking about when you look at an individual here in Ontario and you look at their wealth transfer plan, particularly their estate plan. A lot of, like, you can have, there are multiple tools that are available to people living in Ontario. As you touched on, there's wills. As you touched on, there's trust. And as Ash has discussed, there's also, like, in terms of insurance contracts, and particular, um, wealth solutions that are available. And what, you can have the best will in the world, And you can bring in beneficiaries that, in terms of emotion, grief, um, that don't feel that they've been fairly treated. And it basically locks down the estate and leads to litigation. And you've touched on, Brandon, you touched on trust. Well, trust also, again, it comes down to the power of drafting, whether it was well-drafted, because trust, again, legal document, you can pull different measures in. They also are a great tool, but recognize costs involved in terms of from not only drafting the trust, but administering the trust, having appropriate people as trustees. And then I also view um, segregated funds as also a will substitute as well for the appropriate assets. And in terms, it kind of takes the emotion, it takes the administration through the estate off the table because, again, we're talking a contract. The contract is discussed with the wealth advisor, someone as yourself, it's all laid out, similar to any other legal document, you get the appropriate provisions that you want in place to deliver, and as an advisor, it really fundamentally comes down to what does the client want? And we then have the tools available to make appropriate recommendations to deliver what the client wants. and. What I'm seeing, like, in terms of given emotion, given the modern family dynamic, you know, given real-time administration, like, if you've got grandma and grandpa who are helping out child with university tuition or, grandma and gra- or parents are helping out child with rent, you lock down those assets, and they don't have access to cash, yep, all right? Yep, Emotions yep. tend to run faster. So I have looked at in terms of you can have, like I said, the best lawyer, the best drafting, but it does not take a motion out of the picture. And what can be done in certain circumstances, all right, is the Seg fund, all right, is the appropriate tool in that it's determined. It's a contract. That contract is settled it's upon the individual's passing and will deliver upon that contract. And often with, within receipt of the death certificate, it's paid out within the planning is done within two weeks. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's the other thing.
4: Go so through the will.
0: Right, and, and on top of that, Put the
4: emotion out.
0: yeah, well, yeah. and that's a really good point because, on top of that, uh, it's yeah, we cut a check within two weeks because it's an insurance vehicle. Yep. And then on top, uh, but a lot of people forget too, wills are public documents. Absolutely. Anything that goes through your will is a public document. Yep. All your neighbor has to do is pay a fee with the local municipality and basically register themselves. Yep. And they can turn around and see exactly what you gave you know, Uncle Billy and your kids and your neighbor and, oh, your mistress, you had one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, who's, who's this other lady? Or who's this other man? They have full access to that. You have, you have things go into a trust. You have things go into a segregated fund. Bypasses the will. It does not become public domain. Yeah. The second, uh, a final par- a part before we, we, we wrap this up, we just had a case out in B.C. This was going back maybe six months ago. Everyone thinks because they have a will, um, it's it's secure. It's locked tight. This this is on Michelle's point. Well, no. There was a case out in BC, and uh, I do not know what ethnic background they were. I, I don't know. Um, but they were a a, back, a, a background. Uh, they had five, four or five children. I know two of them were female, and I believe the other two or three were, were male. They had this farmland, and it was about... A ten to twelve million dollar estate. Okay, the father who was the last one to pass away um, left the vast majority of the estate to his sons. It was a cultural thing, yeah. whatever. However, welcome to Canada. That's not right? That that's not how. That's not what we do here. So what ended up happening was, is people thought, oh, I've got a, I've got a will. So who cares? Uh, no, the 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 daughters contested the estate. And I'm talking like they got 20% between the two of them and the other 80% got yeah. split between the, the boys. Meanwhile, they proved to the judge out in BC, they're like, wait, wait a minute. No, no, no. Well, they sat on their butts. We actually took care of the farm. Uh, we took care of mom, took care of dad. We cleaned the house. We, they, they listed all the, the domestic things that they did. And the judge ended up agreeing, saying you have been wrongfully... Um, and financially um, punished in this will, and he, turned, he overturned it. Now, the, the boys still got, I guess, the lion's share, um, the majority when you broke it down by gender, but it, when you broke it down by child, it, 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 the, the variance was very, very little. Right. Um, and so it was f- quite interesting on in how the judge ruled. And so if you don't do it properly, and you don't, whereas a seg fund in that case... Yep. If you just, if it, in your will, it said liquidate the estate, put it all into a seg fund number, da, da 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 go see Brandon Curry, and then I just cut the checks, there is no recourse whatsoever.
3: Right. Yeah. I mean, anything that goes through the estate can be uh, can be contested, right? And so it's important, you know, the more complicated a family situation is, uh, the evolution of the family has become that much more dynamic. There's individuals who are on their second, third, fourth marriage, children outside of wedlock. Um, you know, the more complicated an estate, the, the more open it is to being contested. And so, you know, it's really important to look for uh, opportunities or strategies that help to settle an estate with more control, because a lot of people want control, um, and to ensure that, you know, the role of the executor is minimized as much as possible and that really comes down to working with your financial advisor
0: right so again once the, just the importance of listening to your financial advisor which will probably be future episodes <laughs> um thank you very very much uh ashif and michelle you there still oh yeah oh perfect yeah. thank you very much for calling in no, and pre- coming thank down thank you for having us um, we really appreciate it. We'd love to have you guys back. Absolutely. Um, and even if we hit, we go on the road, we wouldn't mind uh, maybe doing a couple episodes from SLGI headquarters. Up yeah, in, absolutely. Up in, this is my Toronto. first
3: podcast. It was fun. I'd love to do it again. Oh, we'd sure. love to have
4: you. I don't know if I, mean, if I told you, but oh, I'm you actually back. from Niagara. Oh, you so, are? Oh, you coming are. Back, it, yes, I am.
0: Well, there we go. I'm then we, we we got to have you back. We got to have you c- come back down. Um. Absolutely. We love it. Well, thank you very much, thank everybody. You. We really appreciated it. Uh, Trevor, how can they share and care?
2: On all major platforms. We are on we don't, all major Yeah, platforms. we don't need to get into all the details, do we? No. Well, if Jeff was
0: here. He'd say Apple <laughs> TV or something you, No,
2: like he's that. gone away from he's the Apple TV. That? No, yeah, he's more uh, uh, Google now. Well, I he's, think he's Google he's Home is where Google he yeah now, where right. he listens yeah, he
1: to, he likes it. To, listen to it. Yeah.
0: All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, take care. Perfect.
2: Thanks.
3: Have a great day. Keep warm and safe, everyone. Thank you.